very uh, strong thank you to our worship team and musicians and to Trey and Caitlin for leading us today. Our glory and the lifter of our head, that's who God is this morning. Uh, he has not left us without a father, and we're thankful for that today. I know many dads are here with us this morning who aren't normally here. You came with your, with your family or with your grown uh, children uh, for Father's Day, and so we thank you for being present with us at, at Poplar Springs this morning, and uh, we're thankful to God for our dads today. Uh, if you haven't been here, we've been going through uh, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, and that's where we'll be today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that and uh, take it out and turn to the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament. Uh, after the four Gospels, a little ways after the Corinthian letters, you'll see Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. We're going to be in Ephesians today, uh, the sixth chapter of Ephesians. And if you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And we have those uh, laid out on the table in the back, uh, no cost to you whatsoever, uh, just a gift from our uh, heart to yours. We want you to have this, and so you go get one if you need it. That's what they're there for. Uh, we've been going through this letter to the Ephesians, and we've come to near the end. Uh, but the backdrop of this is, of course, that the Apostle Paul uh, has written a letter <clears throat> to these churches, and God says to us through his word, that we are to live in a manner worthy of the calling. That's the calling to the, the, the salvation that Christ has done for us on the cross. The salvation we did not deserve, could not have earned, were not worthy of, and did not even have an attractiveness, anything in us that would allure him to say, yes, yes, because of that, I should do this. It was simply the love of God, the character of God. And when you talk about God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus himself walking this dirt and suffering there, uh, he came to the end. This was not a desirable end. He was going to a cross, and even faced with that, the determined love of God chose to save us. So we've seen the greatness of that, and we are to, hold, we are to walk in a manner that is worthy of that that somehow measures up, that somehow makes sense considering the, 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 the other side of the scales here, the balance of what God has done for us. And so we've learned that we don't, as Christians, have the right to say, well, yes, I'm a Christian, but uh, the Word of God, the power of God is not going to make a change in my life toward others. It's not going to make a change in my life toward my wife. Yes, 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 pastor. Yes, Lord. I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I get all that. But, but it's not really going to make a difference in the way that I treat her. Yes, Lord, I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm saved by grace. But I'm not going to let it make inroads into my family in the way that I regard my husband. In the way that I obey my parents. Fathers, in the way that we care for our children. We don't have the right to do this. We're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And today we come to a strange section of Scripture. It's strange to us because it addresses the relationship between bondservants and masters. And in many translations, the word is slaves, uh, between slaves and masters. And we look at this and we think, how can this be that when the Bible 
uh, addresses the relationship of, of slaves and their masters, the Bible does not condemn slavery. It's silent on that matter. How is it that the Bible would look to a slave or a bondservant in the English Standard Version and say, listen, you're to obey your earthly masters. And part of that has to do with our conception of slavery, uh, the evil that that was in our recent past as a nation compared to what we see in the times of the New Testament. There are certain words that just don't mean the same thing as they used to. My kids inform me about this all the time. There's a few words that I've tried to gather here today that, they've, uh, that they use regularly that drive me crazy uh, as a dad. And I know you know you're old. You know you're an old dad when you just don't get this stuff and don't want to, right? You don't even care. Here's a few of them. The first one here is drip. Who, grown-ups, who knows what drip means? Okay, and, all right, there's two in the back. That's the cool row back there. Um, <laughs> Drip apparently means clothing, shoes, jewelry, expensive and very fashionable. Like on the, on the cutting edge, you see someone wearing the, the, the best, the newest, I mean, the, the most the, uh, gleaming stuff. You say, hey, that's drip, right? Or he's drip, or he's, he's got drip, right? I, I don't know. And we're familiar with that in my family because clearly drip, right? I've, I've, I've got the... That's the word, so put that in your pocket. There's one called riz. Anybody know what riz means? So he's got riz, right? Am I saying that right? She's got riz. There's W riz, winning riz, L riz, losing riz, right? I'm embarrassing them big time, but riz means the ability to attract the opposite sex, right? It's based on charisma, right? I think I've got that. Hey, you know, um, anyway... Not I've got that, but I've, I understand it. Uh, <laughs> riz. If someone's got it, I've heard them referred to as the Rizzler or the Rizmeister, right? I've told a lot of stories on y'all, and I've never embarrassed you, I think, as much as today for some reason. Yeet, to yeet something, right? To yeet someone, <laughs> Means, I don't know, it used to mean to throw something out a window, but uh, to yeet somebody means to like put the stomp down, the smack down on them, to insult them, to, to um, win them in a verbal battle. Uh, wilding, I learned this one this morning, wilding, if someone's wilding, it means they're acting up in a, a bad way. Uh, corporations can be wilding. Here's one, dupe, it means like duplicate. Somebody was, we were at the beach and um, we saw a guy there, just, I mean, just white skin, no tan, socks pulled up to here, big brimmed hat, just clearly uh, an, an old guy, no coolness at all. And uh, one of my kids said, Dad, dupe, right? I mean, that's a, that's a dupe of you, Dad. And so <laughs> the one that drives me the most crazy is bruh. Anybody heard bruh? I mean... Oh, my goodness. I want to cringe and crawl in a hole every time I, I hear the word bruh. I guess that just means, I don't know, you know, bro, bruh. It means like, what are you talking about, right? Like, bruh, why did you say that? Anyway, I need to hush up because I'm really showing my age big time. But <laughs> words that mean something now that we never thought they would mean. And when we come to the 
the word slavery here, and that's why the English Standard Version renders this bond servants. It, it's not only a softening of the word slavery, it's a, a, a clarifying of it. In the ancient world, uh, what would happen uh, is that there would be people of all stations in life. You would have physicians and lawyers who were technically bond servants or slaves. You would have those certainly who labored in the household, but this would come about for the most part, by those who had an indebtedness or wanted to take on an indebtedness to purchase Roman citizenship, to maybe uh, fund a uh, prestigious education for their children, or for some other reason would say, in order to do this, uh, I will put myself under a, a servitude to a wealthier person who will fund this for me as I pledge a certain number of years of my life to labor under their charge as a master. Now, certainly there were abusive slavery situations in the old world. Uh, there were uh, children who were rejected by their dads. We talked about this last week. Many times a girl would be born and it would be rejected and taken into the cult temple and offered there to grow up there to become a cult prostitute in slavery for her whole life. The Bible is not speaking into these abusive situations where a master was sinful or, or mistreated um, a servant or a slave. This was uh, not speaking into ownership situations of slaves like we're accustomed to or like we are familiar with, we might say. The Bible is speaking, remember, to the Christian church. This letter is written to believers. And in the congregation of those believers, this letter would have been read uh, to both uh, slaveholders, or you might say masters, and their bond servants in one congregation together. It's not written to the abusive, lost world. It is written into these voluntary, mutually uh, agreed-upon arrangements with limitations. But nonetheless, they could sometimes be harsh. And so I want you to know that as we start out. The Bible is not neglectful of this. In fact, the Old Testament is the, the character of God detests. I mean, you might even say above all things, detests trampling upon the head of the poor and those without a defense. The Bible is not here endorsing the institution that we might know as slavery. And so even though this is about a strange institution to us, it has to do with dads and it has to do with moms because it involves the workplace. The closest implication we have here is the workplace. And one more note I want to add before we start is what this does not mean. Uh, we're going to talk about submitting in the workplace. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean if you need more money, you don't go ask for a raise. It doesn't mean that if you need more money, you don't look elsewhere for better paying jobs to provide for your family. It doesn't mean you just suffer under abuse of injustice and, and never look for better opportunities, okay? And so don't carry this to the extreme when we talk about this. Don't fear that extreme, but listen to it in the main, in the main, under most circumstances, this applies to Christian behavior in the workplace. And so let's read together Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 5 and read to verse 9. Bond servants, 
or it may say slaves. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. We've learned over and over that we're to do all things as if we're doing them unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in every relationship, we, we obey our husband or we treat our wives. It's all to be done to the Lord. We obey our parents as if the Lord. And we're doing this for the Lord Jesus. We're to do it with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Verse 6, not by the way of eye service. You know what eye service is. Just how things look. Just getting by. Trying to uh, please people as people pleasers. But as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God, the will of my boss, the will of my master, the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. That's a promise, okay? Don't miss that. Whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. And then verse 9 addresses masters. Masters do the same to them. Don't miss that. We're not going to talk about that today in the sermon, but don't miss that. If you are a boss, if you are a business owner, if you are the, in this role here as a master, so to speak, all of what was just read applies to you as well. Do the same to them, to those who come under your authority, and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him, capital H, God, no partiality with him. So what does being a Christian have to do with who we are in the workplace? There are three answers I want us to look at today. The first is this. Answer number one, the boss is not your boss. I mean, we see that clearly, don't we? We've seen over and over in Ephesians that the one standing in front of us the husband in front of us, the wife in front of us, the parent in front of us, the child in front of us, the boss uh, in front of us, the one standing in front of us is not the one we're submitting to, is he or she. The one standing in front of us is not the one we're obeying. The one standing in front of us, the one that we punch into or get our paycheck from, is not the one we're serving, but we owe our lives in every part in every relationship, we owe our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in everything we do, from the smallest thing to the highest thing, we are to give that unto Christ alone. I love a show named Undercover Boss. Anybody ever watch Undercover Boss? It used to be more popular. Now it's kind of getting old. But um, I still like to catch it when, when we're somewhere that has that show and um, it's nice when the boss, let me just explain it, the, the CEO of a company will normally get disguised by a professional uh, wardrobe and makeup person, get a, a good disguise, and will go into their own company to a small franchise or to produ a production unit, and will go in there as an intern or something and just try to spy around a little bit, right? In fact, I was secretly in one of your Sunday school classes this morning in disguise, not really. Uh, and I'm not the CEO. Uh, I'm not the boss. Uh, but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, they'll do that, and they'll see what's happening. And sometimes they'll find a great employee. And at the end of it, they'll reveal, like, aha, I'm the boss, 
And uh, because you're so good and loyal to our company, we're going to pay for your college. And we know your mama's sick, and we're going to fund her treatment and get, get her mortgage paid off. Something great happens. Those are the most boring ones, right? I love the ones where somebody gets fired at the end, right? <laughs> That's something sick about me. But you think, uh, you see the boss go down there, and I saw this twice recently. One of them was at Mako. The, the place that paints cars and does collision repair, the boss went in there as like a, a trainee and was talking to the guy. He showed him how to fix this re- collision repair, and the, the, the undercover boss said, well, sh- you know, shouldn't we do it according to the, the book, the Mako book that they gave us? And the guy looked at him and said, listen, we don't work for Cadillac. We work for Mako, right? At the end of it, <coughs> fired, right? <coughs> he got fired. The other one was Yankee Candle. I love Yankee Candle, even though it's from Yankees, right? Uh, I love Yankee Candle. In the Yankee Candle shop, the undercover boss was in there and was training under this guy, his mentor. And the guy said, listen, I hate this job. He said, it's not so much the job as it is the people. He said, there's people coming here, especially kids. They're sniffing every candle. They're dropping the jars. He said, I would like to take a candle wick and strangle them. He, was, he did not get fired. They moved him over customer service by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> he truly did not get fired. Uh, but you may find him at the outlets. Uh, anyway, the point is, the guy standing next to you may not be who you think he is, right? I mean, you, you, the, the way you treat him may have ramifications that you haven't imagined. You thought he was a trainee. Or in this case, servants, you thought he was a master, but that was the Lord Jesus. Now, you thought it was a boss or a co-worker, but that was Christ that you were serving. If you're a nurse today, you thought it was a patient in there, hard to deal with and suffering when you went in. And the attitude that you gave them was given unto your Savior, a teacher with a student in a family that's struggling, behavior issues, and there you are. And certainly you've got to deal with that. An administrative assistant who just think my job is mean, I just type out emails all day. Those emails, before you hit send, think of this. I'm sending those for Christ. It's not for my boss. It's this is unto the Lord. And this is more in Scripture than a manner of speaking. It's more than just saying, it's, it's kind of like, think of it as if you're, you're doing this for Christ. This is far more of a reality, of an actuality than that. But what we do, we do unto Christ. For a Christian, there is no such thing as a secular job. You might say, well, he's a pastor. You know, there's no such thing as a secular job. Everything we do is a part of our Christian walk and is a part of your worship to the Lord Jesus. It is not right for us to come in here today and sing the grand things we've, st- we've sung about God and then to go out tomorrow and hate and resent our boss, to talk about him behind his back, you know, to just resist him passively or, or actively at every turn, that's not right because everything we do is a part of our worship. Whatever we're doing, we're serving the Lord Jesus, and that, my friends, is a reality. The boss is not your boss, but secondly, looking good is not enough. I love the language 
in these verses here. And I've underlined the, the kind of the relevant sections uh, on your screen. Looking good is not enough. Not only are bondservants to obey their earthly masters, they're to do so in a certain way with a sincere heart. Look at the rest of these words. Not by the way of eye service. Not just when he's around and watching. Not just to, you know, to, to look good for him, but to really do it. Not as a people pleaser, not just to do what gets by or advances us, but to follow through. We're not pleasing people, we're, we're pleasing the Lord Jesus. We're to do it from the heart with a good will. This is to be sincere. And the word sincere in the original language is very interesting. Uh, it means singular, undivided, one. And so we're to do this with what kind of heart? A singular heart, an undivided heart. We're to do this with a oneness. It's to be, we're to be one-hearted about it. What does that mean? We're not to be two, what, two-faced. You've heard that word before. We're not to be two-faced. Well, yeah, you know, we, yes, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever you want, sir. But then in the break room, we're a total other person. We're not to be divided in that respect in our sincerity. Uh, we're not to be divided uh, with our service and our attitude where we'll, we'll give a little bit of a, a part of us, but the, the rest of us is diverted to something ungodly. It's diverted to an attitude or a workmanship or an effort or a labor that is less than what it should be. If you're a dad, you probably know this feeling like I do, trying to shower in a house of five people sometimes leaves you in a bad situation, especially if your water heater is a regular size water heater, right? There's five of you in there and a dishwasher and a washing machine. And sometimes at the end of the day, everybody else is gone. You decide it's your turn and you get in there and that little thing is just drip, drip, dripping down. You know what I mean? You take the, the shower head and you try to point it out further so it'll like shoot out. It doesn't shoot out. It just drips. You, you have to press your face against the wall just to get the water to, to fall on your head. Uh, because what? Because the, the volume of water, is, it is divided, right? Uh, there's not a oneness in that channel any longer. And we are to serve our masters and our work, to serve our bosses, to serve those in authority over us with a oneness of heart. Are you able to do that? It's not easy to do, is it? Say, I'm not going to divide myself. I'm not going to have one attitude in front of him and one attitude somewhere else. I'm not going to divide my labor and get it half-hearted, two-faced, half-hearted. I'm not going to do it. As a Christian, I'm not going to do it. Not because he deserves it. Not because the corporation is taking just such wonderful care of me. But because over the top of his, of his head, my eyes are looking toward the Lord Christ. And his eyes are directed back at me. He sees this in worship. And I see him as worthy. I'm going to have a sincerity, a sincereness in my heart. Not by the way of eye service. Not as a people pleaser. From my heart, with a good will, I'm able to do this. You're able to do this. Because through Christ, God has granted you the power of a transformed heart. And the transformation, the newness in your life is not euphemistic. 
It is not just a sprinkling of language. God has done something real. And listen, he sees that being a Christian in the workplace, it's not just about doing your job. It's about trusting God and trusting him enough to give him your whole heart wherever we find ourselves. Does this mean you don't look for another job if it's bad? No. You go and look. If you find one, praise God. Go there. If you're not making enough money and they won't provide for you, you go look. That's not unsubmissive. That's not rebellious to do that. But wherever you do find yourself, for however time you find yourself there, until you go, until you say enough, listen, we have the responsibility to do this under the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to do, but we possess the power of God to do this through Christ. But lastly, first, the boss is not your boss. Looking good is not enough. And lastly, your salary is not your reward. Your salary is not your reward. What is our reward? Look at verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. I don't know exactly how. I don't know the formula. I don't know when. I don't, but I do know this promise is sure. Whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back for the, from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Sometimes the conditions at our job do not seem fair, do they? Sometimes the salary and benefits are not what they should be. Sometimes our boss we think is incompetent. I could do it better than that guy. I've got more training than he does. Sometimes our boss is not fair. He shouldn't ask me to do this. I mean, that, that should be his job. He's getting by easy. He's got all the benefits, and here I am doing the work. Uh, but your reward is not in the fairness, in the justice, in the rightness of your boss. Your reward is not in the salary that you receive from that place. Our reward comes from God. We do this for him, and he is faithful to reward us. We're tempted sometimes to adjust our level of service downward to meet what we get in return, aren't we? Well, if that's what you're going to pay me, this is what I'm going to do. I walked into Taco Bell the other day, which, as you know, is one of my favorite places. They brought back my favorite dish. You know what it is? The Enchirito. They bring it back every now and then, then they take it back away, but it's back for a limited time. I thank Laura uh, for telling me about this. It is back. And I went in there, and there they stood at Taco Bell. They don't want to come out and take your order anymore. They want you to use that device over there, right? And I just went up to the counter, and finally somebody did come out, and I said, I want to order an Enchirito. They looked on the screen, and you could see that they were just moving around and opening different menus. Then they looked at me and said, I can't find it. That was it. Not, I'm going to go get a manager. Let me ask somebody who's been here longer. Just like, can't find it. So what? You don't get it, right? You know, uh, so I just ordered something else, you know. It wasn't quite as good, but it was still delicious. And so, but, but don't we get that sometimes? I mean, this is a small job. Small job, small effort, right? That's what we see at Taco Bell. That's what we see at places like that sometimes. Small job, small work, small reward, small response. That computes. That seems right. right? That, that, uh, yeah, we, we, we're tracking with that. 
Well, sure, that ought to be the way things are, maybe for a lost world, but not for you and me. Our reward is not what we get back from that place in the grandness of the job or in in the the power of the position or in the, the amount of the salary and recognition. Our reward comes from God. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 2. It speaks to this. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Now listen carefully. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Be, okay. Paul's writing, or in this case, Peter is writing a letter to the church saying to the Christians there, be subject to your Masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, and to do it with all respect. That's exactly right. I, you mean I'm I'm to go to work tomorrow, and even though I know there's unfairness at my work, I, I'm to obey there and to to give my heart there, and I'm to do it with respect, with earnestness, with sincerity, with oneness of heart. Yes, you are. You're not to stand there and be abused. If you're being abused there, God doesn't, is not asking, move on, you know. I'm not asking you to do anything that is uh, on the fringe or something crazy. But in the main, we're to be subject to our masters with all respect, not just the good and gentle, but also the unjust. How can, what basis, what background do we have to do that? I think you know, somebody up here, was it Lisa, I read a section of scripture that we're very familiar with. That Jesus died for us when? When we were still sinners, right? When we were still sinners. If the Son of God, the everlasting God himself, saw us, when we were not fair, when we were not right, when we were unjust and wrong, when we were not worthy, and gave himself fully for us, there's your example. There's your background. And that's who you point to when nobody can believe it at your workplace they say man every time i see him there even the way he sweeps the floor i mean he he, at jackson's work they have a saying y'all know ray here probably ray is the boss up at smokehouse barbecue she says sweep till the bristles hit the wall that means when you get underneath that cabinet you, you get down and you sweep until the bristles are all the way back to the wall every time he sweeps every time he checks the mail Every email that, that she sends, uh, every nose that she wipes, everything, they just, they just do it with excellence. And our boss is a jerk. And this place doesn't provide a living wage, but they're doing, they're, they're serving. Why? We get the, uh, the opportunity to say, because Jesus did that and so much more for me. Sir, ma'am, coworker, friend, guy with your lunchbox in the, in the break room microwave, right? Listen, you wouldn't believe the condition I was in when God found me. And so when I find my boss in this type of situ- in this type of condition, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's crummy. I'm not I'm not an idiot. I know he's crummy. But listen, I want to do for him what Jesus did for me. I'm doing it for Jesus. For the Christian our workmanship should never be a response to our setting. Because in reality, our setting puts us uh, constantly under the watchful eye and the providing hand of the Lord Jesus. There is reward that comes from God when we apply his way, even in the workplace. Real quick, I know we're done. 
I was at Snow Cone Thursday this week out here in the parking lot. We did free snow cones for the community. There's a little boy there, little guy, shaved head, totally buzzed. You know, old, old school, just buzzed now. And uh, his dad was with him, and his, his, his dad wasn't from the church. And um, the boy was getting a snow cone, and, and um, the dad came over to me. I had some bags we were trying to give away to uh, for people, and said, would y'all like a bag? And the dad said, no, just one of those cards. And the card said, uh, you know, come to church. It was a little invitation with the church information on it that we were giving to people. And he took the card from me and slung it down in the boys zone and said get this to your mama maybe she'll bring you that broke my heart I hated that as that little boy walked away little, little little guy with a little voice little voice he said dad I really want to come here just like that's word for word not a word of that has passed from my mind dad I really want to come here I thought, how sad that, 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 that that's the attitude. Give this to your mama. I thank God for you today, dads. For you who are here who are leading your families. For you who are here who have said, yeah, we're all going to go. But it's not your mama's job. I'm going to get you there, son. I'm going to lead you, daughter. I praise God for you today. But I know it's not easy. It's not easy to do that, to fill those shoes, to do what's right, to do what's uncomfortable. That's not just true of dads this morning. It's not just true in the family. For Christians, it's true in the workplace. It's true in every setting. There are things that are hard to do. But the Lord Jesus did something far harder, and he has given to us the very real power of God you have access to it you have access to it he's given us the power to live differently everywhere wouldn't you do the hard thing wouldn't you just be different every Christian is called to live in a way that does not make sense according to the standards of this world that's true at work it's true everywhere are you walking worthy this morning. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd love to offer you a chance to respond. God speaks at strange times. You may not have expected him on this Father's Day to have said anything to you. You just came here because it's a day you're supposed to be here just another Sunday maybe for those who are here all the time that maybe God has spoken maybe not even about work or servanthood maybe he just spoke it into your life and said child be mine be mine I haven't forgotten a single star that I called into being and I have by no means forgotten you Maybe for a Christian today, he's looked at your life and unmistakably, unmistakably, he said, be mine again. Come back to me. Remember the first things. Let's do this together. I want to be your father. Walk with me. 
Maybe today you need to seek salvation. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to come for church membership or some other need. If you want to pray privately, we'll leave you alone. If you want me to pray with you, I will be happy to. But you come. If you don't know what to do, let us help you. No one's going to judge. We're all going to stand with you. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for trusting it to us. It's funny, God, when we get confronted with the realities of what it means to live a transformed life. It's not just big and broad. Lord, it gets down deep into the places of our lives and the corners and the cracks. Father, we're, we're not so comfortable with um, letting it get to. But Father, you want all of us. You want glory for yourself. You want good for your people. You want a shining beacon of light, of the gospel to be in our lives. Help us to be that, God. Help us to surrender. We don't want to. God, help us to. We give this to you in Christ's name. We pray that you would do with it according to your will. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. And as we do, you're invited to respond.